This is The Muster on a Wednesday afternoon with Andy Muir, uh, catching up with Lynn Berry, who we haven't spoken to for, you for a few weeks. Uh, g'day Lynn, how are you? I'm well, we had a bit of a chilly start up here in Omakau today, we had, we've had three good frosts in a row, but we've had three nice days, which is probably a bit, of, a bit better than what you guys have been having since the weekend. Yeah, we're still waiting on the first frost. Uh, by all accounts, either tonight or tomorrow, I'd say money's on tomorrow. Bit of a breeze here in Gorse. So it's just, um, I've never seen it like this before, as I'm sure a lot of people haven't, having the frosts stay away so long into the season. Yeah, and, and that's a bit unusual. But Southland is true to form. And every year I keep saying to some of my clients who think they're going to milk into the first week of June, the weather's going to shit itself on the 20th or thereabouts and it's going to snow and it's going to rain and it's going to get wet. And it does it every every season it does it. So it's pretty reliable. Pretty reliable for sure. <laughs> now, we talk about the first frozen shipment to have left New Zealand, what was it, 140 years ago yesterday. This is really interesting, wasn't it? Well, it's actually left in the 15th of February in, in 1882 and got to Britain, I didn't right. call it the UK then, yep. but got to Britain in late May of that year. And it took 98 days for it to get there on, on a ship called the Dunedin. And that was a sailing ship that they uh, outfitted to do the frozen um, shipment in. But the first frozen meat shipment um, was actually done by some people in the United States, but they used big frozen blocks of ice and blowing wind across it to sort of semi-chill the meat as, as they sailed across from the States across to Britain. And it was pretty time-dependent <laughs> because if they didn't get there in time, all the ice blocks melted and the meat went off. In 1877, Argentina had a chilled meat shipment and they actually used ammonia. So they filled the, uh, they used water that they chilled with the ammonia and they used that as a way of freezing the meat and sending it overseas. They had the odd problem because the ammonia would react with steel in the, in the ship's hull, which caused a, a, a few issues. Yeah. And then, and then in 1879, the Australians actually sent 50 tonne of beef and mutton um, over to Britain. So there was a little bit happening in this, that space before we actually sent our shipment across. And a guy called William Donaldson and Bryce, oh, Thomas um, Bryden were actually pretty intricate in getting this all sorted in New Zealand. So uh, William... Donaldson had been looking at what was going on for a number of years because he was the general manager of New Zealand and Australian Land Company. So they had land in Australia and New Zealand. And he talked the board into looking into and investing in the ref this refrigeration idea of sending meat overseas. And young, young Thomas Bryden, he was really interested in it as well as part, part of that group. And he had a slaughterhouse at Totra Estate, just out of Omaru, where he um, slaughtered the Merino crossbreds, because that's really all we had in New Zealand at the time. And the only exports we had were wool and tallow. So any of the sheep that were past their use-by date were all rendered down into tallow, and that was all exported. 
back to Britain. So he had this um, abattoir there, and what they did is he, he killed them on site and cooled them down and railed them to Port Chalmers. And then they were sewn really tightly into these little calico bags and then frozen down and put into the hull of the Dunedin, which had been converted. They made all these um, um, ice-insulated ice chambers, and they could cool it down to 12 to 15 degrees Fahrenheit with this big freezing plant. However, they had a wee hiccup when they first loaded their first 500 carcasses on, and the crankshaft broke on the freezing plant. So they had to hock off all the carcasses to a local butcher around, butchers around town, and everyone started poo-hooing the idea. And at the time, they had 60 passengers booked for that um, sailing back to Britain, and, and most of them, all but two of them, decided not to go with that shipment, first shipment of lamb. And the beauty about this first shipment is there was only one carcass at the other end that arrived and it was spoiled. I know, it's amazing, because it took about 98 days, and they actually got becalmed at one stage, and while they were waiting for a bit of wind to pick up, the crew noticed that the freezer, the air, because this was all frozen by air, whereas all the other freeze um, shipments had been with ammonia or a brine solution, and they noticed that this air wasn't circulating good enough. So the cap- captain, John Wilson, he crawled into those compartments and cut by hand extra holes in them. And he nearly died of exposure, but the crew managed to pull him out and re- re- revive him before he croaked it. But when they got to London, there was only one carcass that was condemned. And word on the street was when they were sold to the local butchers that they were most impressed with the quality of the New Zealand lamb above the Australian lamb that they were getting. So old um, Mr. Whit, Mr. Davidson, he was actually quite instrumental in creating the markets in the UK and an insurance to underpin refrigerated shipments. And the Dunedin actually made nine more trips back to the UK to take frozen meat, but then it vanished in 1890 on a sailing, so they're not sure what happened with it. But the other ship that they had taking refrigerated meat across to Britain was called the Matara. So there's quite an quite a interesting little bit of history behind that first frozen shipment. You just think of the resourcefulness of people back then and what they had to do. I mean, these days it's easy. We want electricity, we turn a light on. We want to get heat, we just turn another switch on as well. Um, it's easy in this day and age. You think back to those days, though. Jeepers, they just had to think outside the square, didn't they, just to survive, and they did it so well. I know, but when they, that first shipment, they froze down 10,000 carcasses over a two-month period but every single one of them had to be sewn into a calico bag. Yeah. Just imagine sitting there sewing blinking sheep into a calico bag, 10,000 of them. It, you wouldn't get many people wanting to do that sort of sh- stuff nowadays. And you wouldn't have a radio to listen to either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, now, it's interesting, Lynn. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, just to stroll down memory lane and um, relevant and yeah, very poignant for the week. Thanks for joining us. It's right. You guys have a... A dryer into the week. 
Limberry there. Always fascinating to learn about things like that. Um, part of our history, the first frozen shipment arriving 140 years ago in the UK. Gee, time flies when you think about it. And resourcefulness does as well. Um, up next on the muster, we are on a Wednesday, of course, uh, Tess Apprentice. Two I see here. Catch up, see what's happening in Tess's world. Every word rang true.